For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Almost Richard Skipper. Hello, everybody. It's Friday. <laughs> My banner was still up. Well, welcome to Friday Wrap-Up Show with Richard Skipper and friends. I have five amazing friends that are waiting in the wings, and I have a few friends that are here. Sherry is here, Michael and Jeannie Miller, who were here on Monday night. We did this, and they are back, so that's a good sign. So welcome back. Uh, let's see who else is here. Danielle is here. Dee's Enlightened Edits. I love that. Uh, Alan is here. Uh, let's see. Natasha Lombardi is here. Lisa Rodrigo. I haven't seen you here in a while, so it's good to see you back. Uh, and Pico is here. And uh, Joyce Glasgow is here. Uh, and uh, the Libby Show is here. Lunch with the ladies. I love that. I've asked uh, uh, for a number uh, one through five. We haven't gotten it yet. So the first person who pops in a number, that's the number we're going to go with. Anybody put in a number and the first one is what we're going to go with. One through five. So today we are celebrating. It's apple cider day and I am drinking hot apple cider with cinnamon. So the cinnamon is floating around on the top. It's very, very good. Uh, today is also national support someone who has been married to a Scorpio day. And we have someone waiting in the wings. Uh, we also, it's National Stand Up Against Bullying Day, something that we need to do every day. Uh, and let's see, uh, the first number that popped up is for Natasha Lombardi. Thank you. And um, I'm glad that she picked this number because I had this gentleman on the show, I guess uh, uh, it's been over a year now. And he is back. Uh, I posted the other day on Facebook that today was national. I want to get the uh, correct wording on this. It's married to a Scorpio support day. And he responded. And so I've got him on the show. He knows who it is. It's James Levesque. Uh, James, welcome to the show today. How are you? I'm, I'm getting It's been out. almost two years. Has it been almost two years? Yeah, it was uh, December of 2020 before I released the, the first book. Wow. And what has been going on in your life since we last spoke? Oh, my goodness, everything. Um, I wrote a second book. I continue blogging. I've gone through, uh, I decided to start acting again. Um, so I've been booking roles and, and filming and uh, I'm working on a uh, producing a horror film. An independent horror film that we're we're, we're planning to release in in uh, February. It stars uh, some very uh, big stars in Haiti. Uh, Mika Ben, I don't know. Uh, he recently passed away on stage uh, at the age of wow. forty-one. How um, and uh, and hoops. Wow! 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 Well, I want to ask you, what's your next book about? Well, the second book was is is just more about strategies, uh, stories, and strategies to help you heal. It was, I called it "Moving Past Grief," um, and it was it, a an acceleration or more of a continuation of the, the memoir. Uh, well, can you give everyone like a Reader's Digest version of your memoir? Uh, we talked about it on the show, and it is available, everyone, on demand on Richard Skipper Celebrates. But if you can bring everyone up to date. Oh, sure. Um, so uh, I have been widowed twice in, in 1994 or 1990, yeah, 1995 and 2014. Um, and this this memo or memoir is uh, the story of my life and, and coming to terms with those losses and being able to still find a space in my life where I'm grateful for having those losses and uh, to be able to continue living a life that... Uh, I think I deserve. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry about the tickle in my throat. Um, what I love about your book is, and I read it and uh, through uh, tear-stained eyes, uh, because it was so uplifting uh, to go through what you've gone through, uh, to go through that kind of loss, not once, but twice, uh, and to still come out. You are such a positive individual. 
you exude uh, positivity. Uh, and that brings us to our word of the day. Uh, the word of the day is joy. And you bring such joy to all of us. Um, how do you find joy in your daily life? Um, you know, I've been writing a lot about that this year on the blog. It's, um, it's not always easy. And uh, I, I made a comment the other day about you really have to look for it sometimes. And sometimes it's, it's just finding that little square of, of, uh, of, con of confetti or, or glitter that lets you know that rainbows are real or, or that unicorns exist. Um, and it's just fine looking. You really have to spend the time looking for it because it, if you just let life happen to you, you're not going to see it. You have to spend the time to look for it. Well, James, first of all, I'm an Aquarian, and Aquarians are ruled by rainbows, and I consider myself a unicorn. Uh, you know, it's very interesting. I'm writing this new show, and uh, and I'm reminded that years... I, I have spent my entire life, and I'm going to be 62 on my next birthday, but I have spent my entire life trying to fit in to whatever the norms are and everything, and I find that I excel when I don't fit in. Uh, in my high school, I went back to my high school several years ago to uh, to perform, and they interviewed people that I went to high school with. And they interviewed uh, one particular person, and she said, in our high school, we had the rich kids. <coughs> I've got a tickle, and I'm sorry about that. We've got the rich kids. We've got the poor kids. We've got the smart kids. We've got the kids who never open a book. We've got the uh, kids that live on this side of the tracks, This the kids who live on the other side. And then there's Ricky. I was Ricky. In <laughs> uh, Ricky marches to his own drumbeat. And I think that's the secret. I think that's the secret for all of us. And I think we need to stop in this country trying to get everybody to fit into a mold. Uh, I love the uniqueness of what everybody brings to the table. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, uh, I think the diversity is what keeps us, uh, it keeps us, keeps me happy. I mean, I, a part of my job, my day job is that each day is something different and I enjoy that so much. And, and the, the diversity of the people that I interact with, that's one of the reasons that I got involved with this horror film was the diversity of the of the cast that was involved and the and the production team that behind it. Um, I think I'm the only white guy uh, on on the whole uh, production team, which is, is great because it's it, it is an actual rainbow and and the 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 cast is just uh, um, I'm I'm blown away by the diversity that we have physically sought to bring into that into that world. Well, that's wonderful. Well, you get a chance. I'm going to ask you to pick a number, one through five to begin with. Uh, I've got five random questions. I have no idea what they are. So you get to pull a question, one through five. Uh, two. And the question is, uh, where are you placing blame unnecessarily for something that has happened in your life? And based on you, I don't think you blame anything unnecessarily but perhaps there's an area that you do blame something that uh, you can get off your chest today. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time feeling guilty about, uh, you know, did, did I go to the doctor early enough for to, to prevent something from happening? Um, I, I spent a lot of time when in writing the book coming to terms with that survivor's guilt. Um, and I've come to the realization that there really, there isn't anything I could have done. And my sister recently passed away, for example. My, my mom was telling me um, that she couldn't be there physically, but she was there before. And, mm. and I kept telling her, there's nothing you could have done even if you were there physically. She still would have gone. Mm. Um, and so I, I try my best to live my life without regrets, um, to the point where I got uh, lyrics tattooed on my forearm that, that basically say, let it go. It's time to forgive now the one that matters most, uh, lyrics from Levi Christ for his, from his song, let it go. Um, because I have, I need to constantly remind myself, there are some things I can control 
and a whole hell of a lot I can't. Well, James, I don't know if you know this, but on Sunday nights, normally, uh, with Kasira McKee, I host a show called Let That Go. Uh, we do it normally every Sunday night. This Sunday, I'm taking the day off, uh, and Kasira and I will be here on Monday night at 7.30. I hope you'll join us sometime, and I would love for you to come on the show sometime and talk about letting go, uh, because it's a very important thing that we all need to do. Yeah, I think so. Great. So I'm going to let you bring our next guest on, and you get to pull the number one through four. It's like, let's make a deal. One through four. Um, I'm going to go with uh, three. And that is my dear friend, Jennifer Roberts. And I think Jennifer is snowed in. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Richard. Hi. She's in. Yes. Are, are, are you in Detroit today or just outside of Detroit? I live um, about uh, two and a half hours from Detroit, three hours from Detroit. So we got all the snow here. They probably haven't gotten there yet. No, how much snow did you get? Because, uh, you know, Danny, my husband, um, his brother lives, everybody, in Buffalo. And if you're oh, watching the news, mm. they got slammed. So how much snow did you get? I don't know yet. Right before I went out, right before this, I went out and shoveled the base of my driveway, and there was at least five, six inches. But um, I drove through a major snowstorm last night coming home from Kalamazoo. And then we're supposed to get more tonight and tomorrow. So several feet, that's all I know. But I did the early thing and got the driveway base at least cleaned out. So, Jennifer, I want to ask you, who or what are you celebrating today? Uh, very, a lot. But my friend Richard Skipper, I'm having Thanksgiving with you next week. I'm so excited. She's coming to New York, and I am building a Thanksgiving dinner all around Jennifer. You are so, not. I'm yes, so, I am. I am You're so the excited. I'm having a Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, I'm so excited. So I told my sister last night, and I told her it was you, and she said, oh, how cool is that? So that's what I'm most grateful for. I'm excited to get back to New York next week. Um, but you're I'm, doing something else while you're going to be here in New York. So tell everybody about that. That's exciting. It's really exciting. So um, I am going to be a, one of 60 people uh, in the Macy's choir. And we sing just before Santa arrives at the, uh, at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. So wow. I know I'm super excited because we started rehearsing last week. And I'm not allowed to talk about it other than to say um, my favorite genre is uh, pop and swing, jazz and swing. And there's a, a lot of rhythm in what we're going to be doing. So um, I'm so busy with other things that I'm now just trying to cram it in. So I know we're doing three different numbers, one for television. And the other two will be as we cross the different apparently uh, amazing landmarks of downtown New York. And this is um, I basically just sent them my audition uh, tape and interview and then they said, sing, sing 16 bars of this song, sing 16 bars of anything you want to sing, and then an audition interview. So I did all that like four minutes before the deadline. And a month uh, later, I got the news that I was going, and I hadn't really researched it until then and saw how exciting this is and uh, to be able to be looking out at New York City and at the base um, at the Macy's uh, 34th Street store. Well, it's amazing. I mean, I am. I will be very honest with you. Every year when I watch the, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, as soon as Santa arrives, I burst into tears. I'm in. I, you know, I. I'm like a kid. I cry. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it, I cry every year when that moment happens. Um, my first this year will be my forty third year in New York. And the first year that I was here, I got up at four o'clock in the morning. I went to the Macy's parade. That year, uh, Ann Miller and Mickey Rooney were on the giant turkey. Diana Ross was on the apple. Sandy Duncan was in the parade. It was just the most exciting thing. And uh, I'm a kid. This time of year, I am such a big kid about everything. But Jennifer, I want to ask you, just as I asked James, is there any particular area in your life where you feel that you're placing blame unnecessarily that you really need to let go of. <clears throat> I try to think of something as he was talking. Um, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to think back. So um, I was married years ago. I've long forgiven my ex. Um, former. Uh, former, like, like 35 years plus. I mean, it's been a long time. Um, Friends have hurt me over the years. I, I, I'm like, James, I think you really have to just deal with it and move on. Um, 
being falsely accused of something is difficult to work through. So the healing place where you can where you can really be free again is to just pinpoint those things, um, those people, and uh, same thing, let it go. Forgive them. And then I had a friend that told me to also forgive myself for being angry at someone or something, and that's mm -hmm. also freeing. Um, and it's okay. It's okay that you are angry about uh, that, uh, that you are anger, angry about being angry. Yeah. Is that, does that make sense? Or no, is that redundant? No, it's very, it's very healing. And then the, the um, I would say that COVID really hurt a lot of us because my work went away for, you know, a couple of years. And that was something I had to work through. Not being mad at COVID, but the fact that almost everything I do, some of the producers I work for, they were let go. And they would be my segue to, say, a new job. Um, you know, just a lot of those things uh, you just have to kind of work through. But pinpointing something at the moment, I think I've just really gotten to a place where I'm, I'm in a really good place. And I'm really happy right now. Even though things are still difficult, it's like I feel that that, that big burden we were carrying for a while is gone. And um, I'm super excited about some things. I have one more thing to share with you, if I might. Absolutely, of course. So uh, there's a biographer or a, a document. How would you call it? Documentarian. Thank you. So I saw a documentarian that reached out to me about a month ago, five weeks ago, when I was on the road working for um, Nikom Auctions. And he asked me some questions. And then he said, I really want to use you in my um, upcoming documentary about Opryland, uh, the theme park, and Nashville. So it was this great cradle treasure where everybody went to perform um, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, until they closed it around mid-1995, 97. So um, a lot of Broadway people, some Hollywood people, um, producers on Broadway, directors, choreographers all started there. So um, he had me come down and uh, we spent hours um, going through doc uh, photos I have, articles I have, um, videos I have. And um, I'm just super excited to be a part of that. Oh, this is great. I can't I wait. Isn't it exciting? I you know, because you watch some of those Porter Wagner shows and yes. so forth. But he, um, how did he find me? I'm so honored and humbled of the thousands of um, of. Don't uh, ask, just say thank you. It, uh, it's it's out there. You know, and it's going to put a lot of my early work out there. Be it a five minute segment, a ten minute segment, a twenty. You know, who knows? I just know, I think it's really cool that that some of that early things, early work that I did that I had forgotten about is going to be in this documentary. You know, it's interesting. I'm in the documentary on Carol Channing, uh, Carol Channing, Larger Than Life. And when you're in something like this, you never know what they're going to use and what they're not going to use. So just going and sitting back and just just go and enjoy it. It's it's just exciting. So congratulations. Thank That's you. Nice. It's just a nice surprise. So you get to pull your random question. It's one through four. Four. And your question is, uh, if you could be famous, and you are famous in my eye, if you could be more famous, uh, what would you want to be more famous for? Can I give this two, two answers? Of course you can. You can give three. Okay. So, I mean, this sounds like a humanitarian good person, but I would love to make more money so I can give a lot more away. Number one, I want to be remembered for being generous. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I love, 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 love being on film. I think that's one of my favorite things to do. But I almost would want to be remembered for um, the songs that I choose to sing, um, the work that I'm still creating now and that I'm going to create coming up. Um just because when you when you realize as an artist, it's not so much about waiting for a casting door to open as much as it is you having the opportunity to put out into the world the message that you want to share, um, the material that you want people to hear, to see, to listen to. I don't know if I would say director or um, creative head of the work that I put out in the future and now, but I think that's the most important thing for me. I love it. And you get to bring on our next guest, one through three. Two. And that is, uh, well, uh, Brad, are you ready? I'm bringing this. I'm Brad ready. <laughs> Hi, Richard. I'm so glad that you're here, for, uh, Brad. And I want to thank Lisa Rodrigo for sitting yes. in you my way. Uh, last Friday uh, on our show, uh, we had an amazing lineup, just as we do today. And I had Harvey Brownstone on the show. Uh, Harvey Brownstone is an incredible interviewer from Toronto. 
And you also have your own podcast. Uh, tell us about your podcast, first of all. Uh, but before we get there, who or what are you celebrating today? What am I joyful? And do I need to take a drink because we said joy? Uh, yes, yes. Well, yeah. I'll take a drink. Joy. I'm joyful and grateful that Ms. Lisa Rodrigo linked us up, that the Libby Show Lunch with the Ladies is here, that my friend Taylor's going to join us soon, and grateful to meet new friends, and grateful to see you again, Richard. Uh, we, uh, I cannot believe this, because when was the last time that we saw each other, and what were the circumstances? When your face popped up, I went, we know each other. <laughs> we do, and I've been saying that offline as well. Uh, a cabaret show, very likely, but I couldn't pinpoint exactly which one or when, but I've been going post-pandemic and at the same time have slowed up this season. So I need to pick that up again. That's wonderful. Yeah. I am starting to get out there. I've seen a couple of things. I'm going, uh, Tom Judson, who was yes. on here last Friday, I'm yes. seeing him Gus. on Sunday night. Uh, what was that? Gus. <laughs> yeah, Gus Maddox. Look him up. But after the show, everyone's going to go, wow. <laughs> well, he's open about it. Uh, yeah. Tom Judson, he, he is a former porn star. Yeah, if you got it, flaunt it. And he has it, and he should flaunt it. <laughs> um, so uh, tell us about, uh, yes, uh, so tell us about your- Around podcast. the sun. Okay, so people will hear my voice as they're doing their Googles. A yes. bit of a juxtaposition. Around the Sun is a scripted, episodic podcast. So every episode is self-contained, tells its own story. And right now we just launched season two, available wherever you listen to podcasts. And season two takes place in a nondescript part of the American Southwest. Season one took place in our collectively beloved New York City. And each of the individual episodes across seasons is kind of embedded in some broader existential themes about human relationships and connections made and missed. And uh, what can I say? It's a, it's in my humble opinion, as the kids say, it's a beautiful project and I'm very, very proud of it and very grateful that people like Taylor and Suzanne have helped with this project and get it into the world. Uh, that's wonderful. And uh, what have you learned about yourself from this series? That I can do it, that I can have a vision. So in the in the words of Stephen Covey and Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I can yes. create the vision and then I can put it out there into the world. I think a lot of times there's self-doubt and second guessing and in the early days of pandemic, specifically quarantine, I had these 10 minute plays that were lying around and I couldn't do anything with them. And just because it's pandemic, I think that James and Jennifer and you would agree that the creativity doesn't go away just because you're shut in. Yeah. So I started turning these formerly 10 minute plays into audio dramas with the good graces of some very wonderful mentors in my life who helped me do that. Marcia Mason, Vincent Pastor, Maureen Van Zant, Austin Pendleton, etc. Oh, wonderful. So I'm going to ask uh, the same two questions that I've asked uh, our two previous guests that are still with us. Uh, but number one, uh, is there any area in your life where you have placed undue blame that you need to let go of? Yeah, on myself, Richard. Um, <laughs> Welcome to my world. Yeah, get rid of all that. But at the same time, it's good to be reflective and, and try and, and locate ourselves. But something I've learned, particularly in the pandemic, post-pandemic years, is that sometimes we try to intervene, or I'll speak about myself, I try to intervene and and. At the same time, other people are going to make their own choices and there's nothing that I can do or we can do to, to get them to where we want them because they're not us. So that's been part of my learning lesson these last couple of years. And it's an important one to learn and you can't change the universe. You can only live in it. Absolutely. And appreciate people for who they are and what they are while they're with us. I'm going to rephrase the question that I asked Jennifer, because in my opinion, everybody that's on this uh, panel today is famous. So if you were more famous, uh, 
what would you do with that fame? Influence, fame for fame's sake doesn't excite me, but being able to have an impact on mm -hmm. someone else's life, uh, the lives of children, people who might feel isolated or alone in the world, that's what I would do with an elevated status. Like Jennifer said, try and use some of my laurels and riches to better opportunities for people behind me. Thank you for saying that. And I do want to say that all of us, every single person that's either watching or on this show today, every single thing that we post or say has an impact. So yeah. please be careful with what you put out in the world because mm -hmm. someone's listening and you never know how it's going to hit them. Uh, so you get to pull your question one through three. Okay. I'll go with lucky number three. And the question for you is, okay. if you could visit any place in the world, where would it be and why? Oh, golly. Well, ha, I've gotten to go to Paris. Italy is on the list. Alaska is mm -hmm. on the list. But I want to say somewhere totally obscure where I could be alone with my thoughts. And to that end... Come I'll to Park Hill. <laughs> I'll go to Antarctica. But... Only for a limited time because it's cold, although I probably would do better in the cold than in the very, very hot because I'm a burner, um, an SPF 50 guy. So Antarctica to write some beautiful 10-minute <laughs> plays now, audio drama episodes, and then uh, come back with some new perspective on a lesser explored part of the world. That's wonderful. And I hope that you find that place nearby and that you don't have to travel so far to find it. So you get to bring on our next guest, one or two. Well, I went with an odd number the last time, so I'll go with an even number this time. Lucky number two. Well, our next guest happens to be someone that you happen to know. So would you like to do the introduction? <laughs> Mr. Taylor Perdee, who appears in season two of Around the Sun and is a writer, filmmaker, actor, singer-songwriter in his own right. Hey, Taylor Perdee. Hey, hello, Brad. Taylor, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad to get to know everybody's backstory before I, I come on. I feel like I've got an, uh, a socializing advantage now. Well, I'm so glad that you're here, and I want to begin by asking who or what are you celebrating today? I'm literally celebrating things because uh, it's my girlfriend's birthday this weekend, and so uh, it's we're, we're, we're having a party tomorrow that we're setting up for later tonight, so I'm actively celebrating. Would you like to let everybody know where the party is taking place? Oh, you don't want to be there. It's going to be very lame. Oh, wow. <laughs> No, well, congratulations. How long have you and your girlfriend been together? Um, about a year and a half, but we were uh, we were friends first. Ironically, we um, um, me and my girlfriend at the time, and her and her roommate at the time, we were the last new buddies that anybody made before the shutdown. And it was like we all met, and we really liked each other, and the world ended. And we really made a point to like stay Zoom friends. And then over the course of time and COVID, it all kind of all of the positions swapped. But it was a uh, the like the the last new people that like would remind us oh there's more world out there um and i think that really helped it stick absolutely and how did you and brad get involved with working together so brad and i i guess we share a producer in suzanne curry mm -hmm. um and i think the first time i met you brad was at a suzanne uh has a, a short film festival out in ridgewood new jersey that's super cool um, and I think that was probably the first place that we met, but we've uh, we've been put together a couple times since then, definitely. And uh, your of your film. That's yes, that's that's true. That maybe probably the second time was at the the New York premiere for uh, this musical film that I've made uh, called Killian and the Comeback Kids. Um, and now Brad and I have been uh, hanging out, I guess, digitally. But I feel like I every like couple of weeks we do something else because uh, I'm on around on his podcast around the sun. I've done, a, I guess, two, two of the installments of that, and that's been really, really fun. I haven't gotten to do uh, a, a podcast drama in a while, and it's kind of taken me back to my, my roots. Well, good for you. Uh, that's great. So I'm going to ask you, is there a particular area in your life 
where you've placed blame that you need to let go of? You know, I, he was, I feel like he was kind of kidding, but uh, when Brad said, uh, on myself, it, it struck me. And in a really particular way, I... <laughs> the comments. Um, blaming myself for not letting myself... Blaming myself when maybe I should blame somebody else. And it's a really tight line to walk, but I've, I, there was a period where I found myself struggling to put the blame anywhere else um and you know find like an actual balance i feel like guilt can be like a three-legged stool you know it needs to be in a couple different places okay. uh and if you were more famous what would um, you do with what would you do with your fame <laughs> well i i loved all of the humanitarian vibes because i don't know i i there's this moment when i was i don't know like 12 i was on the school bus and I remember thinking, like, okay, who has more power, man, ACDC or contemporary President George W. Bush? And for some reason, I decided it was, it was ACDC. Um, and then that kind of spiraled through and is something that I think about all of the time in this sort of, like, oh, like, impacting the culture way. But a very particular example is that a number of other cultures have, or nations have, what we call uh, a minister of culture. There's somebody, it's a government post where you guide the soul of the nation. Uh, through the art. And I'm always really interested in what an American version of that would look like. And I feel like it's got to be some combination between like studio executive and uh, and um, uh, secretary of education. Um, you know, as, you, as you said that, all I kept thinking about was that when I was 12 years old, Jimmy Carter was in the White House. <laughs> ah, ah. Well, you had it better than I guess. Ah, well, I don't know. I don't know. You know <laughs> Fair I, enough. No, I will. I've been around a long at time. Was, so, at least that was a fun era. <laughs> uh, so um, you get to pick uh, uh, your next question, one or two. One. And the question is, and then we're going to bring our next guest on, who's waiting patiently in the wings. She knows who she is because she's the last one in the wings. Um, <laughs> this is a great question. Who knows the real you? And how can you expand <laughs> the number of people uh, in this group? Uh, well, that's a good question. we got to get this show out to other people. So number one, who knows the real you? It's a great question. Uh, you know, to be honest, I mean, you know, the, you, you've got your like personal self and your like aspirational self, but I honestly, I want to say it's my mom because all of the like things that I can't understand that she knows about me because she raised me. Um, but also um, because we work together a lot, I feel like she's got like a bunch of different angles in a way that even like my closest friends or my dad might not have because she's sitting at multiple sides. So yeah, it's my mom, <laughs> probably my mom. Okay. Well, I want to, um, the Libby show, I know that you're watching and I want to apologize to you. We just got spammed. Uh, some of you saw these weird uh, comments that were popping up. I blocked the person, uh, but as I was quickly blocking them because it, it happens from time to time, uh, I inadvertently uh, put uh, the Libby show in timeout for five minutes uh, by, uh, because they were directly uh, side by side with the spammer. So my apology to you, Libby show, you've done nothing wrong. So as soon as you get back, uh, post away, and I apologize. And on that note, I am going to bring on uh, one of the, and this is not a sexist comment, uh, but this truly is one of the grooviest chicks that I know anywhere, and that's <laughs> Shelly Goldstein. Hello, Shelly. Hello, Richard. Yes, and she right now is in London, where she is about to do a celebration of Jerry Herman. Yes, I'm here in my jammies. Good it's for late. you. Uh, yes, a week tonight at the wonderful La Crazy Cox in uh, right where Soho meets Piccadilly Circus in London. I'm with a wonderful cast of performers, and we're doing We Need a Little Jerry, because boy, we do right we now. Do. So can <laughs> you tell me who's in the show with you? Jules Hamilton, Gary Bland, Jenna Ryder Oliver, uh, Tom Fotheringham, uh, 
musical director C.J. Walsh, wonderful, wonderful London performers who have taken me into their embrace. Um, uh, a year ago, this week, we did a 50th anniversary concert of Godspell, mm. something I really thought that ship had sailed for me. And of course, every Jewish girl wants to do Godspell. That's all you want to do. And it was so much fun. And since then, I've done a Sondheim evening with them and a Candor and Ebb evening. And now we get at a time when we need joy and happiness and the balloons and parades that are Jerry Herman. We're going to do that next Friday night. Well, today is Tesla Bella's birthday. Tesla Bella does the voiceovers for the show. So I called her first thing this morning and I turned my device on. I won't mention the name because it'll go off. I turn my uh, my son every morning yeah. too. Uh, but uh, she answered the phone, and uh, Angela Lansbury and I sang uh, to her. Uh, it's today, and that's how her day began. Uh, so, and mine, mine too. Uh, every, I believe that if everybody in the world began every day with a show tune, there would be no <laughs> violence and strifes in the world. That's my personal belief, and especially if you begin it with the Jerry Herman tune. Yes. Uh, Shelley, do you have a favorite uh, Jerry Herman tune? The one that I'm having the most goosebumpy experience about doing is Before the Parade Passes By. That's a, I get to do all the Dolly songs, which is really exciting. Dolly and Gooch. I'm very thrilled mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. And two women who have so much in common. <laughs> 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 and... Uh, you know, I'm so excited that Jennifer's in the Macy's Parade. Nobody did a parade like Jerry. And to be able to sing that song on a stage is just thrilling. But also, I never thought I would sing Dolly with, you know, people behind actually doing, you know, what the waiters do. And there's it's, it's very intoxicating. Well, go, if you haven't seen it, uh, you can Google it and see Carol Channing on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Oh, of course. Uh, if you've seen it. When yes. she was performing uh, in the la uh, her last revival on Broadway in Hello, Dolly. And I remember I, I was in Denver uh, the morning that that aired. And Danny's nephew, who at the time, very, you know, I think he was four years old. He said, that woman has the biggest mouth I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I always think of, of him saying this. But, I mean, Carol was full of life. Uh, she, I mean, she was Dolly Levi. And, oh, yes. uh, and I feel like Dolly Levi by bringing all of you together. So, uh, and, uh, and I can't even begin to tell you, uh, next to Carol, I probably sang before the parade passes by more times than she, uh, you know, uh, next and to her wonderfully, than anyone else. <laughs> wonderfully sung. Well, thank you. Uh, but I want to ask you, um, is there any area in your life where you have placed undue blame uh, that you need to let go of? Well, Brad beat me to it, but I spend most of my day apologizing. I'm, I'm responsible for everything bad in the world. I'm filled, I'm racked with guilt. Um, is this uh, self-imposed guilt? Um, no, I think I'm truly responsible for all the bad things in the world. Uh, a, a typical conversation with my husband will be, I'm sorry, please stop apologizing. You're right, I'm sorry. You know, it's just, it's just born in me that um, I'm never quite right. I'm never quite where I should be. And I feel that, you know, I feel that most people, uh, you know, we, we, the entire United States has been thrown into a dangerous, lava-filled, massive hatred because of one person who, who does not know how to apologize, who does not how, know how to find any guilt or admit any guilt or see wrong, or if he does, he hides it. So I'm, I'm, I feel I'm overcompensating for the many people I don't know. It's impossible to, to ever say that they're ever wrong. Really I don't know if you're going to remember okay. this, but <laughs> right after he was elected, you put a post on Facebook. Uh -oh. And the post was, uh -oh. uh, if you could say anything to him, what would it be? And everybody came in with their attacks at him and everything. Do you remember what my comment was? 
it was probably something really nice. Like, <laughs> no, you know, it was a while ago. So uh, you had every reason not to remember. And there were a lot of posts on that. Uh, my question, I would love to ask, who wounded you? Who wounded you to the point that you have gone through life feeling that you don't have to apologize? Now now I have to apologize because I've turned the conversation into No, no, it's not as wrong. No, I think it's- I really apologize. You you have nothing to apologize for. Um, uh, It it saddens me. It saddens me uh, that he uh, doesn't feel the need to apologize. For anything, and I, you know, and I don't care what side you're on politically. This has nothing to do with politics. It has to t- uh, do with uh, taking responsibility for your own actions. And I realize, Brad, Taylor, Shelley, James, Jennifer, that I've done it all wrong for 62 years. Uh, every show that I've auditioned for, that I have auditioned for, should be on my resume because I should say I got it. I've gotten every show that I've auditioned for. I've gotten every uh, opportunity that I've gone after. I should uh, beef up my resume. I should beef up my bio. Whether people believe it or not doesn't matter. The fact is I believe it. And if I believe that I got cast uh, to play the Phantom in Phantom of the Opera, that's all that matters. If I believe that I played Barnum on Broadway uh, on uh, James uh, Dale's uh, uh, nights off. That's all that matters. Do you all agree with me? That's what it's all about. It's all about perception. (laughs) So I want to ask you, if you were more famous, what would you do with your fame? Oh, boy. Um, Definitely get better tables in restaurants. (laughs) (laughs) And then I would, I would teach. I would, uh, Make make more people laugh as much as I possibly could. Well, you do that very well. And um, just you know, keep keep it all going forward. Keep us all keep us all moving. And the question I want to ask you again: is, Who knows the real you? And oh, uh, also, how can you expand the number of people in this group? Um, well, well, he's asleep in the other room. It's my okay. husband. <laughs> I have to say, at my at my craziest moments of insecurity, I look at this person, and the fact that he sees me with a laser beam that's more focused than anyone else has ever seen me, and he really likes me, and sometimes that's just incomprehensible to me, but sometimes it's a real lifesaver. It's it's like a, it's like a, a burst of oxygen, you know. So so that's kind of neat. Sometimes I think if you're really feeling rotten about yourself, and I say this as a professional comedian, um, look at five people who really really like you, and try to figure out what it is that they like about you that you might not like about yourself. Well, what's the, they say that you are a representative of the five people that you hang around with the most that they that you encompass those qualities so i believe that as well uh i've got one question that's left so uh by default you get this question uh-oh and this question is perfect for you uh-oh <laughs> uh if you could live in a sitcom <laughs> which sitcom would you live in and why oh i absolutely know that that's easy um, I, I was born Sally Rogers in the Dick Van Dyke show and, and Rose Marie became a friend of mine at the end of my life, at her life could be the end of my life. And, um, I remember saying to her that I used to pretend to be sick so that I could stay home from school and watch the reruns on afternoon TV. And she said, you were better off. <laughs> you learned more than you would have learned in school. <clears throat> You know, I I had a wonderful evening with her her once uh, when uh, the premiere came out. We were seated at the same table. And uh, Danny, uh, again, my husband, Danny, said that he was going to steal one of her black bows. She said, I got more in my purse. (laughs) (laughs) She was just a wonderful, delightful person. And I interviewed her on her 90th birthday. 
Nice. You know, so that was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, the it, it, National Days because those who know me, those who follow the show, we've got a few new people here today. So thank you all for being here. Um, I'm all about celebrating. I, uh, you know, I encompass what Jerry Herman says. It's today. Celebrate each and every day. And uh, there are two companies that I love. If anyone has a connection, check a day dot com and national today uh, dot com. I want to align with either of those companies because I think we could do amazing things together if we can make it happen. So if anybody out there can make that happen, that's where I want to go. So James, I'm going to start with you. Today is National Apple Cider Day. Are you a fan of apple cider? And if so, how do you prefer to drink apple cider? Uh, yes, I do. There's some apple cider that I like better than others. Um, I'm not a big fan of the sweet apple cider. Uh, I like the unpasteurized, kind of all-natural mm-hmm. uh, apple cider. Um, warm, usually, mm-hmm. uh, with some with a cinnamon stick. Um, and if I'm feeling adventurous, a shot of something. Okay, well, I hope you're feeling adventurous tonight. Uh, Jennifer, I'll have it. I'll have it uh, tonight. Is, um, and James, you know, uh, we, we didn't uh, really talk about this, James, but today is also um, married to a Scorpio support day. You were married to a Scorpio for 15 years. For 15 years. Uh, was, uh, until he died, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know that he passed away. Uh, what can you tell us about him? First of all, what was his name? Uh, uh, his name was Bob. So let's celebrate uh, Bob today. So yeah, his uh, he he would have been sixty years old uh, this month. Wow. Um, and uh, he died nine years ago. It'll be nine years in in uh, in January. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as I was listening to other people, you were you were asking them the, the one person who knew you best. Uh, he knew me, and I think I don't have anybody that knows me quite like he did in my life. And sometimes I'm not even sure I know myself. So that's another subject. Um, he was very much, uh, into the shows. Um, he actually introduced me to live theater by taking me to see rent on tour in Memphis in 1998. That was the first live show that I went to see. And, Uh, It it holds a very special uh, place in my heart. Mm -hmm. I have now, uh, I see, I've got two subscriptions in the Boston area where I see the touring shows, uh, occasionally make it down to New York to see uh, other, other things, but it's, it's infrequent at this point. It's just, he brought that kind of joy into our life uh, and into my life. And and, and being the second husband, um, he knew that I had some baggage um, from from losing the first one, and uh, he he celebrated that he celebrated the fact that I still loved this this person that I could no longer be with, um, and was not threatened by that. So that in itself really strengthened uh, the bond that we had. Uh, <clears throat> you know, we were, we watched um, Disney movies before we had kids. I mean, <laughs> it was. A joy of life that that uh, I had through his eyes. That's wonderful. Oh, there's a joy again. So I guess I so let's all it. raise a glass to Bob. So <laughs> today we celebrate Bob. So Jennifer, well, I'm going to sh- share a story, and then I'm going to uh, go to you, Jennifer. Uh, the kid in me. Uh, so years ago, I was performing in California at uh, Saddleback College uh, in Laguna Beach. And there were two guys there and they were Disney ambassadors. And so they had access to everything at Disneyland in Anaheim, California. And they asked me if I wanted to go to Disneyland. And of course, a dream of mine, I had never been to Disneyland. We went to Disneyland and just as we arrived at the gate, the gates opened and it was the exact moment, I'm not making this up, it was the exact moment, 50 years to the date, 
that Disneyland had opened its gates. And so it was like, we were whisked in and it was the most magical day of my life. I mentioned that because today is Mickey Mouse Day. Today is the day that Steamboat Willie originally had its premiere. So Jennifer, uh, in honor of Mickey Mouse Day, uh, <laughs> and James has already mentioned Disney films, are you a big Disney fan? And if so, what is your favorite Disney film? I'm a huge fan of Pinocchio and Steamboat Willie and Fantasia. Um, that was phenomenal. I bought my dad a really great version of that a few years ago. Um, I love, I, I grew up obviously with Mickey. I loved the Mickey Mouse show. Um, I'm going to go up when you're, when you're talking to somebody else and show you something I made for my dad. Um, but I have, um, on my Christmas list, a Mickey Mouse sweatshirt, a Mickey Mouse t-shirt. Um, he's definitely my favorite Disney character. And I, I love a lot of those films that, um, Fred McMurray, Disney films in the day. <laughs> Weren't they great? Um, but yeah, Mickey was like my hero young. So. Uh, stick with the original Pinocchio. I, I just watched the live version. It did not do anything for me. Uh, it, with all due respect to everyone involved, uh, the magic was gone. And when the magic is gone, it's not the same thing. It was very dark, uh, this version. Did you see it, Brad? Well, I am familiar with the original, and it too is pretty dark, but expertly done. Yes. So do you have a favorite Disney film? I do. It's Pete's Dragon, so another Jim Dale vehicle. And I just got excited because I'm I'm the new show that I'm writing. I'm singing a song from Pete's Dragon as my opening number. Can you Vandal guess? Vandal on the is? water. No. Razzle dazzle day. That's it. Yay! That's How for celebratory things. Yes. Funny yes. for me. I'm remembering growing up with what I thought was the full movie. This is a good metaphor for life. Uh, my mom had taped it off the Disney Channel, and then it kind of like what I now know, it, it truncated. So she deliberately didn't record all the dark stuff that happens in Pete's Dragon at the back end of it. I only found found out it had a much darker third act than I thought in my adulthood. No. Uh, we all find out about that uh, dark third act in our adulthood. <laughs> it's still something I put on, though, in days when I'm sick or... Do you just... watch the third act? Or... No, the whole thing, because it's okay. like soul food. It it brings me back to an earlier time in my life and feels good to be there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Taylor, what about you? Do you have a favorite Disney f uh, film? Yeah, no. For me, it's The Lion King. No, No doubt. Um, Ariel's my favorite Disney princess, and she's all problematic, but I love her. Um, but really, and I'm excited about the new version. I can't wait to see it. Great. Let me know how it is, yeah. you know? Cool. Um, I, I got to say, I'm really excited about all the Jim Dale in the conversation, though, because <laughs> I I loved Jim Dale. He he did my favorite version of the Harry Potter audiobooks. Oh, he was always around when I was growing up. And uh, he, I've met him. I, he's one of the nicest men in the business. He what people say? He's an incredible man. And Barnum was the second Broadway show that I ever saw. So uh, it, it's incredible. Uh, we're going to get back to you in a moment, uh, Jennifer. Uh, Shelly, uh, your favorite Disney mom, uh, film? Well, I'm wearing thumper jammies. But <laughs> there, there is one great Disney movie, and then there are all the others. Mary Poppins. Yeah. All of the greatest yeah. movies ever made. I love yeah. that one. It is yeah. it is not just a great Disney movie. It is it is one of the finest movies ever put on cinema. How do you feel? I about agree. The and that's another film. I cry all the way through it. It just makes me cry. It's I, stunning. I, it's absolutely stunning. And yeah, I cry in it all the time too. Yeah. Uh Jennifer, so you have something to show us. Yeah, I made this for my dad because we grew up with a movie theater in our basement. And his oh, look at that! Oh, I'm trying to get it straight. No, that's great. And he was um, a wow, major Disney fan. So um, when he moved the last time, I asked for some of this back so it would be preserved. But um, yeah, when I had time on my hands, I made a lot of gifts like this. That's wow. beautiful. Oh, thanks. 
Well, I want to thank you all for being here today. This hour flew by uh, very quick. Um, I want to tell about my giveaway today. Um, I am minimalizing uh, my life and I'm getting, I'm going through a lot of things and I'm getting rid of a lot of things. Um, and I've got two very special things that were very uh, important to me. Uh, this is very, uh, this is an old playbill. Uh, and I hope they, the person who wins this uh, uh, appreciates this. And I'm gonna give you the op uh, opportunity. Uh, if you're not a big uh, Carol Channing fan, you can let me know that this is not for you and uh, we'll come up with another, another item for you. But this is her playbill for her touring show Oh. the Carol Channing Show. Wow. wow. And also, um, I uh, interviewed Carol in the backseat of uh, <laughs> of our car. Uh, and I, uh, and uh, years ago, and this is the uh, article uh, from Cabaret yeah. Scenes Magazine. So I'm giving away uh, this magazine article and uh, along with this playbill uh, to a lucky winner today. And uh, we're gonna uh, do this. Don't go anywhere, anyone, because I'm going to do the drawing. Thank you all for being here. And uh, let me uh, bring this up on camera so everyone knows who the winner is. Sherry Callahan. And uh, Sherry, uh, if you uh, are not a big Carol Channing fan, we'll find something else that, uh, uh, I will find something that will bring you equal joy. Maybe I'll send you some apple cider uh anything so uh we'll find something i want everybody to stick around i'm going to give my closing remarks for the day and then i'm going to turn it over to you james and when you finish you'll pick the next person and the next that you will pick the next person after that until the last person is standing and don't worry uh, when you're the last person on how to end the show as soon as you say goodbye the final credits will begin to roll so the word of the day is joy um Five, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, Granny on the Beverly Hillbillies singing, I've got that joy, joy, joy deep down in my heart. Um, we all should wake up every morning, uh, as Shelly and I do, uh, with a show tune. I truly believe that if we, uh, yes, Sherry says, uh, send me uh, Carol Channing. Thank you so much. I want to send both of these to you. Um, and, I, and I'll throw in something else to you as well. Uh, but uh, I do believe that we need to find the joy within each of our, uh, us in uh, terms of how we go about uh, our lives. You know, uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had an astrologer on the show, and this was just before Election Day. And he said, when you cast your ballot, just say these words, I'm casting this ballot for the good of all concerned, and let it go. And I actually did that. Um, and somehow it worked. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, we had a great election. I mean, uh, you can't get everything, but we got a good election. But I got to thinking about that and how we go about our daily lives uh, in terms of the first words that we utter when we step outside our doors, how we encounter other people, how we react to people. Um, there's a lot of anger in the world right now and somebody bumps into somebody at the supermarket. And the first response is to snap at that person instead of saying, excuse me, maybe I was in your way or something like this, just diffuse it. We need to find the joy within each of us and then spread that out among everybody else. I've been doing a lot of soul searching lately. Um, a lot of people know this. I'm gonna be taking a sabbatical from Facebook. I've left Twitter. And uh, it seems to me, based on what I'm hearing, I jumped a sinking ship. <laughs> uh, I don't know that Twitter is going to be around in a few days. It seems like, uh, did, you, did you all hear what happened today? He got rid of the department that handles the software of Twitter. So it's like, it's like a masterclass in how not to run a company. But we all know how to run each other and celebrate each other. And that's what this show is about. Uh, I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. I also tell everybody to go out and go to your, uh, just sit down for a few minutes. Just take a pause and think about somebody that you haven't spoken to in quite some time. 
and reach out to that person with a phone call. Not an email message, not a text message, not a private inbox message, but a phone call. And let that person know how they matter in your life. Uh, I've always said that, uh, as my friend Sean Moniker says, we're all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. And then someone sent me a meme and it said, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different size boats. Some are in yachts, some are in dinghies, some are in rafts, some are in canoes, some are on tugboats, but we're all in different boats. And I always say, I don't care what size boat you're on, make sure you bring a skipper along. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to leave the screen and I'm going to turn it over to you, James. And James, it's good to see you again. Thanks for it's being here. Good to see today. you as well. It's good to see you all. Thank you. And I hope you'll all come back. James, it's all yours. Well, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we lost Leslie Jordan. Um, and one of the one of the things that I was a producer on was a very sordid wedding. And so I became part of that sordid family. Um, and the other day, the uh, the Property Brothers aired, aired the episode where Leslie gifted a remodel to Rosemary and Newell Alexander, his friends of nearly 40 years. And one of the things that he said uh, as they were interviewing him was that he found joy in being of service to others. Mm -hmm. And I have been doing that for a number of years as well, to, not to the, to the level of, of uh, his, his generosity, um, but in terms of sharing my story of being widowed twice and helping others uh, find their way into a healing spot. Um, and then one of the things that, that also struck me is my late husband's email signature read, share a smile today with somebody, it's free. And in passing along the joy to somebody else, just give somebody a smile and make their day. Um, I'm going to pick on Taylor. <laughs> oh, I thought I had two more people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, something strikes me kind of frequently and more and more these days is that there are all of these things that we know used to bring us joy. We know what felt good when we were younger. And, and it comes up in my life a lot around people's relationship to their creativity that they know when they were a kid that they used to write a lot of songs. And that was a really surefire way into just changing your mood. But as time goes on, the world gives us all of these rules about when we can do those things. And obviously art, the world seems like it has a lot of rules about that are silly. But I think kind of across the board, all of the things that we used to trust to make us happy as we grew up, there's some asterisk that says, oh, no, only on Thursdays can you do that, or only if you're Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> and sort of re-engaging with the centerpiece of those joy-giving things without the noise of what the rules are. Uh, something that, that my friends and I talk about a lot, and I feel like we're discovering and rediscovering all the time. So whatever your, uh, your little childhood magic was, try Try and do that a little bit more this weekend. Definitely. For me, it's always music. All right. Happy weekend, guys. You want me to go? Um, I would say... Just... Uh, Jennifer, uh, we'll pick you. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay, yeah, because I'm like, I better start talking. Um, I would say I just started saying thank you every morning for things, simple things. Um Thank you for music. Thank you for my health. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my cats. Thank you. I have a roof over my head. And it kind of transforms, even though you don't always feel it at the moment, it seems to take over. And then I would agree with what the others have said, that when I do step out of myself and do something for someone else, it's immediate joy. Um, bringing a smile, um, giving a gift, um, helping somebody with a, with a question or a need. It's a simple thing, but it, it gives me immediate joy. And then also listening to great music um, seems to, to bring joy as well, but mostly um, giving outside of myself, sometimes even when it's a sacrifice, is, is huge joy. Brad. Okay. Thank you, Jennifer. 
And let's see. Oh. Yes, and to everything that's been said. I'm thinking of something that a teacher once shared with me after 9-11, which was something to the effect of, if everyone could find the art within, this world would be a better place. And maybe it's overly simplistic, but I've come back to that saying a number of times through the years, especially now that I'm putting my creations into the world. I've always created, but it's new to put them in the world. If everyone could find the creativity within, whether it's writing or singing or fitness or yoga or spending time with a loved one, I think we'd all have a bit more joy as well. So that's my hope and that's the note I'm going out on. Okay, um, I'm last. Uh, it's Thanksgiving in six days. That's a, that's a day that should be about what you're thankful for. And there are a million things you're thankful for. Someone to love, someone to laugh with, someone to have a good time with, someone who was good to you, someone who taught you something. We've made all of our celebrations about shopping and about acquiring things and and somehow this belief that that horrible t-shirt of you know he who dies with the most toys wins that's not what it's about let's return without getting preachy about it just you know find something that makes you giggle and make somebody else giggle and and give someone when appropriate a pat on the back or a hug or a nice word or something that will make their day brighter. It will make your day brighter. If enough people do that, you know, it multiplies and things get better. And I hope you have the happiest of all Thanksgivings. I hope it's filled with joy. Don't forget to watch the Macy's parade and cheer at the end and say, I saw her on Richard Skipper's show. Much love, joy to the world, joy to you and me. Goodbye.